Good morning. Good to have you all joining us today. Give me a minute while we get the sound on the mic worked out. Until then, it'll sound like you're in another realm, so just pretend. It's good to have you all. My name is Randy Pauley. I'm the pastor here at Kahului Baptist, so I thank you so much for joining us. We'll be in the, Mark, the book of Mark, chapter 7. In the book of Mark, chapter 7 today, before I launch into our sermon. I've got a few small announcements. Uh, one is in your bulletin, there's a little perforated card. If you're a visitor, you would do me a great service. Uh, if you would just fill it out, drop it in the offering on the way out, and that would be very helpful. Thank you so much. Second thing, uh, you'll notice in your bulletin, it is actually the guy who, the very handsome man who was up here singing and leading us. It is his birthday today. So, Nikolai, happy birthday. Yeah, you can... I think he's like 16 or something like that, so keep praying for him. Um, no, thank you for your service, and happy birthday. A few other things to cover, in case you were wondering, not only was the iPhone 6 announced this past week, but I also found out we will be having a baby girl. Uh, uh, Please continue to pray for us, and then I'm going to ask uh, somebody to stand up. He's not expecting this, but he should know now. Um, his name is, my son calls him Uncle Nathan, but his name is actually Nathan. Nathan, go ahead and stand up over here. He's on my right, your left. Nathan accepted Jesus this uh, last week as his Lord and Savior, so. Uh, you can take a seat. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Praise God. Uh, he, he just, he, we had some good conversations, and he decided to accept Christ as his Lord and Savior. As you guys see him, uh, encourage him as a new believer. We've been discussing baptism, so that will likely be coming down the pipes the beginning of October. So uh, pray for him. Awesome guy. Just fierce when he works out. So Title of the sermon, Mark chapter 7, 14 to 23. Clean hands, evil hearts. Clean hands and evil hearts. It's going to be kind of our theme. We're going to cover to verse 23. So 1 to 23 will be in today. And before we jump into that, you know, sometimes we notice things are not always what they seem. They're not always what they appear to be. Sometimes things look on the outside very differently than they are actually on the inside. They might be very similar in appearance and texture, but are quite different. For example, a milk carton in the fridge. You go to grab and you want some cereal or a glass of milk, and it looks nice and full, but you lift it up immediately to find it is empty. And the culprit is almost always your spouse or brother, so if that's you... You need to repent today. If you are the one who leaves the milk carton empty, you need to repent today. Or we could find that it's not empty, it's actually full. The outside is white, it's nice, yes, I'm going to enjoy a nice glass of milk only to have the cottage cheese effect. Yeah, you guys know what that is. And it's always after you've poured it on your cereal that you find it out, Amen. Or, as my son discovered, 
this past week. Though it's similar in appearance and consistency, son, our dog, Tora, is not a Nutella factory. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. Accidents happen. Religious people can be a lot like this, as our passage will indicate. We can be very similar in a lot of ways. We can look very pious and deeply in love with Jesus or God on the outside, but inside actually be something else. Last week we observed the scriptures are not oblivious or idealistic about pains and trials in our lives. They are real, present, and often deepest and most reoccurring from those who know us best, our own families. We further observe that following Jesus in obedience can be hazardous to your health. You might encounter trials and struggles that you might not have otherwise had had you not followed Jesus in this life. As we saw in the disciples in obedience to Christ to find themselves in the middle of a storm-tossed sea. And then we concluded, we concluded by noting that nothing, nothing hinders Jesus from providing for or getting to his people. As seen in the feeding of the 5,000 and walking on the water, Christ is with us to the end of the age. Always. This week, this week, clean hands, evil heart. We will see that Scripture is not silent about the presence of trials and tribulations, nor is it silent about its source either. Jesus is going to issue a scathing rebuke to the religious leaders of his day, the Pharisees and the scribes. And in the process, in so doing, he's going to make some of the most profound statements about the source of a lot of our pain, in addition to saying it's okay for us to eat bacon now and steak. Amen and amen. So we're going to read that passage, uh, Mark 7. Give me a second to click there, and we'll launch into this. Now, verse 1. When the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem. You already know it's going to go down. It's like an old western. People are clearing streets, right, and boarding up houses. It's going to go down. We already know this doesn't end well. Verse 2, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, hypocrites, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. 
For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is korban, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and many such things you do. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand, there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? Since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled, thus he declared all foods clean. Steak, juicy steak. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart, comes evil thought, sexual immorality, theft, murder, Adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we need your divine empowerment. We need your spirit to illumine your word to us. Lord, may you use it as a sword to dissect and to Reveal the thoughts and intentions of our heart, Father. May we see that our works on the outside do nothing to make us clean before you, only the work of Christ. Lord Jesus, if there are any here, a visitor maybe, or a friend visiting that do not know Jesus and are leaning on their own works to, and perhaps hope that you might declare them righteous when they die, may they today see that only Jesus can make them clean. And Lord, Father, we have many traditions that we hold to as Christians that sometimes circumvent your commands. Lord Jesus, may we be utterly in obedience to your word and your word alone, for your glory alone. Amen. All right. So you already see how this is going to go. Jesus rebuked the religious leaders of the day, not the pagans that don't know him, not the Gentiles, none of them. He rebuked scribes, Pharisees, religious leaders of that day. So that should tell you a little bit about how this sermon is going to go. Amen? So let's check it out. First thing we're going to see, when your tradition becomes your treasure, you are in trouble. Dear friend and brother and sister, when your tradition becomes your treasure, you are in trouble and have committed high treason against God Almighty. What was going on? Well, the disciples were eating with unclean, unwashed hands. Now, a lot of you are like, I actually kind of like that tradition. It's kind of gross and nasty when people eat without their hands all clean. Yes, it is kind of gross and nasty in some ways. But this is not, hygiene is not what he had in mind. It is not what was rubbing them the wrong way. What was rubbing them was this issue of ceremonially uncleanness. They were not clean in the sight of the Lord. 
They had applied laws, Old Testament laws from Leviticus that were meant really only for the priests right before they offered a sacrifice to everybody. And see, for them, for them, their tradition, they called it, they called tradition the fence of the law. For them, their traditions guarded the law from being broken, and it were like a fence, a protective wall around it, so that if you broke the fence, maybe, maybe you wouldn't have broken the law. It started out as good. Their intentions were good to uphold the law of God. But it went too far. It went too far. And they started from the moral high ground. You notice they thought they were right. Why do you? Your disciples not follow the traditions of the elders. Why don't they walk according to our ways? They asked the wrong question. But when you ask Jesus even the wrong question, you will always get the right answer. When you ask Jesus the wrong question, you always get the right answer. They were not ready for what was about to hit them like a ton of bricks. They're, about re they're ready to debate tradition. Jesus goes right to the heart and says, you hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you. Your heart is far from me, even though you worship me or honor me with your lips. It's important to remember a few things. One, we look back, we've got 20-20 vision, we're looking back on them, and we, we kind of like, oh yeah, they're legalists, and they, brothers and sisters, it's important to realize the Pharisees were not legalists in their day. They were not considered legalists in their day. They were considered faithful. One man said, suppose I describe to you our brother Jim. If your name is Jim, I'm not talking about you. It's a different Jim. Suppose Jim, let me introduce you to him. Jim comes every Sunday. He comes to Sunday school, Wednesday night service, Sunday night service. He ties 10% plus some. He signs up for committees every year. Which committee? All of them. When you're sick, he goes to visit you. He's constantly here doing buildings and grounds and helping. He runs PowerPoint when people are sick. He's a great guy. Amen and amen. This would be a modern-day Pharisee, somebody who kept the rule to its fullest extent on the outside. But on the inside, it was something totally different. Now, is everybody that does those things a Pharisee? Not necessarily. But the outside would be very similar in appearance. And Jesus says, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. He gave them an example of how they twist the scriptures to fit their traditions. When he noted the fifth commandment, you shall honor your father and your mother. See, for them, honoring, and same for us, honoring meant you will not just speak well of them, but in their old age, son and daughter, they change your diapers, you will change theirs. You will care for them. You will love them. You will support them in their old age. It was said that the original retirement system of the Bible was children was children, because they will care for you in your old age. But they circumvented that. They circumvented the commandment. And what they said was, well, 
Mom and dad, you know, yeah, that's a commandment, but it's also a commandment that if I make a vow, you can't break it. So whatever I had that was going to support you is actually given to God. I made a vow. It's korban. Thereby nullifying the commands of God, failing to care for their parents, all the while enjoying all their material possessions and things like that. And Jesus says, many such things you do. Brothers and sisters, Disobedience, dressed in religious clothes and with religious words, is at the end of the day still disobedience. You notice how very religious their words are. I made a vow to God. I can't break my vow to God. That would be wrong of me, mom and dad. Maybe some of us in here have said things similar on similar occasions. Well, God wanted me to do this. I, God told me to do this. This is God's house, and you are defiling God's house, and so on and so forth. So therefore, I will punish you with my words, my actions, my deeds. Disobedience dressed in religious clothes is still disobedience. Our works can actually, our works can actually sometimes be a window to our worship. Sometimes your works, the things that you do, are a window, a glimpse, a peek into your heart, into what you're trusting, into what you're treasuring. Thus, when your treasure, when your tradition becomes your treasure, trouble is at hand. The real issue was not one of tradition, it was one of authority. Who's in it? Who is in authority? The traditions of men or the traditions of God? And they left the commandments of God and held to the traditions of men. How do you know if you're doing that? Okay, okay, yeah. How can, how can I know if I am holding to traditions of men or breaking the commands of God? Well, a few things. Are you angry or upset or disturbed or frustrated that God's glory has been violated or your preference? Another way to ask it, is your anger flowing out of something that is blatantly and obviously a sin as labeled in Scripture? Or is it something that you just have done for a very, very long time? I debated on whether I should use an example. Well, I'll just use an example. We'll just go for it. So it's a light example, so no worries. Suppose I were to say, we're going to get new carpet. Praise God. And you guys would like look at the carpet and be like, dude, I don't care what color it is. Anything. Hook us up. It's time. You'd be like, all right, cool. Then suppose I said, and we're going to get rid of the pews. Oh, wait. Wait, 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 wait. No, do you know how long these pews have been here? Do you know these? No, pews are made for the church. The church is supposed to have pews. I'm not saying we're going to do that. Just giving an example. Then it'll very quickly become, am I going to respond in anger, in frustration? Am I going to fight for my way, my rights, my wants, my desires? Or am I going to fight for the glory of God and unity in his church? These are ways, and I'm using very surface level things. We could go deeper, and we will go deeper by the end of the sermon. See, their tradition had become their treasure, and thereby their actions, Jesus is honing in on these to see the treasure of their heart, as he said in Matthew 6. For where your treasure is, there your heart 
will be also. Brothers and sisters, let's be careful not to make our traditions or preferences issues of the gospel. Let's be careful not to make our traditions or preferences issues of the gospel. I'll list only a few. Music style. How somebody is supposed to dress while in church. How somebody chooses to spend their leisurely time. What foods people eat or don't eat. Let's be careful. We don't make our preferences or traditions issues of the gospel. This led one pastor to ask, are you text-driven or tradition-driven, Christian? Are you text-driven or tradition-driven? That's the first point. When your treasure becomes your tradition, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. I want to spend much time there because we've hit that for a while. Second point. This is where we're going to spend most of our time. Second point. The heart is the headquarter. From 14 to 23, Jesus starts to expound now on everything that he had just said. When he called the people over to him, hear me, understand there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But it's actually what comes out of the man that defiles somebody. See, the issue is not about the cleanness of your hands. It's not about how well they would wash their hands and become ceremonially clean. It's not about that. It was about the cleanness of their heart. Jesus took their question and went deeper. You're focusing on the wrong thing. Your hands will never be clean enough to make you clean. All of the ceremonial cleanliness laws of the Old Testament, all of them were meant to show one thing, that there is a separation between holy, righteous, just God and you, sinner. And see, your issue of cleanliness was not mere external dirt. You could never be clean because it wasn't about your hands, it was about your heart. Your heart is filthy. Filthy. It's never about the external, always about the internal. Thus, when Jesus comes on the scene and he provides payment by his blood to clean and cleanse the heart, the ceremonial laws, their purpose and point was fulfilled and done away with. It's not because your hands are dirty but because your heart is filthy. One pastor said it like this, the heart of the matter then is that it's really a matter of the heart. The activities you participate in don't make you unclean. We would maybe say it, don't make you right before God. You are unclean, which is why you participate in those activities. You tracking with me? The activities you do, so whether it be drinking, smoking, overeating, pornography, lust, adultery, lying, deceit, slander, blasphemy, all of these things don't make you unclean when you do them. You do them because at root, inside, you are unclean. 
Whatever goes into somebody from the outside does not defile him. It's not about what goes in, it's about what comes out. It's about what comes out. It's too easy. It's too easy to circumvent the command of God by boiling down purity and cleanliness to issues of a checklist. Check, check, don't do this, check, don't do this, check, 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 check. It's far, far more difficult to fight and wage war against your flesh on the heart level. In this section, Jesus hits the nail on the heart. Now, Now, he's not saying anything utterly new. He's not about to do anything totally new. He's expanding on Old Testament truths. Let me trace a few of them for you. That's why the Solomon said in Proverbs 4, 23, keep your heart, keep your heart with all vigilance. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. From it flows the springs of life. Keep your heart. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick or wicked. Who can know it? Ecclesiastes 9, verse 3, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil and madness is in their hearts while they live. We could go on and on. We'll go New Testament. Jesus, Matthew 12, 33 to 35, either... Make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruits. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Right now, Big Island, Big Island, Mount Kilauea, volcano, there's lava spewing out and going, and it is starting to drift and consume, and it's coming up on populated places for the first time in a long time. And the fire, the lava is destroying everything within its path. And we are at an absolute loss to even stop it, really. This is the picture, like, A volcano is your heart. It is bubbling out destruction and damage and everything, and it will destroy anything. The evil person out of the evil treasure of their heart brings forth evil. Cleanliness or cleanness before God can't be boiled down to a list of external rules and checks boxes. So, brothers and sisters, I've seen this. We can do this easily. You can train a dog, as somebody showed me on a video. You can train a dog to pray. Have you seen that? Anybody seen that video? The dog praying? Okay. There, yeah. Thank you, Auntie Mabel. That's a surprise. Wasn't expecting that one. You can train a dog to pray. You can train a parrot to say, God bless you when you sneeze or to do anything. You can train externals all day long, but to fight, to fight at the root level as to why. Why am I doing this? Why am I saying what I'm saying? What am I angry at right now? What's causing? I feel irritated. Don't be irritated. Don't be irritated. Don't, no. 
What's causing my irritation? What am I valuing? What do I want? What do I treasure? I treasure comfort. I treasure relaxation. I treasure ease. I tre- whatever it is. It's hard to wrestle with your heart on that level. Jesus identified these things that come out of the heart. What are they? Evil thoughts. Evil thoughts. You ever got in an argument and then for like hours, even days later, you're just like stewing over this? You're, man, I should have said this. And then you're, I can't believe they said that. Or they're so wrong. I can't. Anybody ever been there? Evil thoughts. Sexual immorality. This is a broad word for all sexual sin outside of marriage. It includes things like pornography. It includes things like any sexual activity with another person outside of marriage. It includes deviant sexual activity, which we will not get into. It is a broad word encompassing everything, including homosexuality. So if you say, well, Jesus never preached or said anything about homosexuality his entire life on earth, actually he did, and this word would capture all of it. Theft. That Greek word is where we get our word for kleptomaniac from. Theft, murder, Adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. It's lists like this and passages like this in the scripture that led the theologian John Calvin to call the heart an idol factory. It's constantly pumping out another God to worship, something else to destroy. And it's this reason that your heart, this is why you will never be able to be a better you on your own. If this is your heart, if this is true of each and every person in here by default, that means you can never save you. Your resolutions, they will fall short. Your self-help book techniques, worthless, nothing. You cannot rescue you. All the external changes you do and vow to do will fall to nothing. It's like asking a prisoner in an unescapable prison, ultra-high security guard, to rescue themselves. And you're not the little raccoon creature from Guardians of the Galaxy. You can't rescue you. So if we apply this then to ourselves, we could ask this from Jesus. This would be a legit question. For all of us, this truth now, out of, out of the heart flow these evil things. Out of whose heart? Everyone's. Flow these things in what, or rather who, is causing the most problems in your life right now? It's a hard question to ask, especially in light of the fact that maybe you were arguing with your spouse on the way to church. Who is causing the most problems in your life right now? What's the answer from this passage? You are. You are. That's hard. Why is it hard? Because we're so tempted to say, I'm angry because of you. If it wasn't for you... I wouldn't respond this way. Or if you would stop doing this, which irritates me, I would respond this way. Brothers and sisters, 
No doubt we are sinned against. No doubt others do wrong things to us, but our wrong responses are nobody else's fault but our own. It might be very annoying when my son pees all over the ground for the fifth or sixth time, but my response in that moment is not his fault, it is mine. Out of my heart come evil thoughts, wickedness, anger, impatience. So then, the person who is causing the most problems in your life right now is not your spouse. It's not your ex. It's not your boss. It's not your children. It's you. Scripture teaches that you are your own worst enemy. And there is only one hope. There's only one hope, and it's captured perfectly in that song. See, because all of these things, we are unclean by default. So then, what can make me clean? The song, what can wash away my sin? Nothing, nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You're clean, brothers and sisters, and your only hope, your only hope of having a changed heart is to have a renewed heart, is to be born again, as the scriptures call it, to come to Jesus and cling to Jesus by faith. Because right now, the effects, the effects of your heart, your damaging, destructive heart, its effects are what you are suffering under, guilt, shame, anger, Anxiety, resentment, bitterness, dissatisfaction, discontentment, always complaining all the time, lust, all of these things that you battle with testify to your need to be clean. Your need to be clean before God. It is separating you from full and unhindered fellowship with God. He's the only one that can satisfy you. Even as a Christian, as we saw in Hebrews 2, let us therefore pay much, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Brothers and sisters, see what hope Jesus gives you this morning. What hope does Jesus have? Yes, thank you, Jesus. You perfectly pinpointed the source of my problems. It's not my nature. It's not my nurture. It's ultimately rising from within. But what hope then does Jesus offer? Now, now that we're in Mark chapter 7, we can start to kind of piece the book together in more powerful ways and notice things that we wouldn't have noticed the first reading through in chapter 1. So I'll go there, 1, verse 40 to 42. You are unclean this morning, possibly, if you're outside of Christ. What hope does Christ have? 40 to 42. And a leper, Mark chapter 1. A leper, somebody who is unclean, cut off, not only from God, but from the fellowship of believers, came to Jesus, imploring him. And kneeling, said to him, if you will, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus moved with pity, stretched out his hand and touched him. 
stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And that's exactly what happened. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. See, if you were there at the time, if you had seen that happen, if you had seen this leper come to Jesus, because you know the Old Testament law, he is unclean. Everything that man touches is unclean. And people who are unclean have to go outside the camp, away from their family, their friends, their loved ones. They have to go outside near the wilderness. And this man comes to Jesus and he says, you can almost see the desperation in the passage, if you will, Jesus, you, you can make me clean. Jesus moved with pity, stretched out his hand. We read right over this, but every believing Jew that knew anything about the Old Testament would be screaming, don't touch him, Jesus, you'll be unclean. Jesus reaches out, touches him. And far from Jesus being made unclean, the man is actually made clean. Because only Jesus can make you clean. So dear friend, if you have been struggling, this, this is a picture of the gospel. When you come to Jesus by faith, believing, if you will, you can make me clean, he will respond and make you clean. He'll forgive you of your sins. So I'm going to ask, no matter how far you've been struggling from the Lord, maybe it's been a long time since you've been here, maybe you have never waged war on the level of your heart, and you want prayer, I want to invite you to come. Let me pray with you. I'll be on my right and your left. Let me pray with you. I want to invite you to come to Jesus to believe that he can make you clean. Let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, your word is sufficient to equip us, to train us, to instruct us in righteousness. Lord, would you do this for your namesake, I pray? Lord, there are many in here who are struggling with uncleanness, Lord. Our hearts are so evil, and we love, we love idols often rather than loving God. Lord, help us to look to Jesus. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear that only Jesus can make us clean by faith. So, Lord, work in this room this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.